With Halloween just around the corner, my family has plenty of tricks and treats planned. But thanks to Pampers, one thing I have never been afraid of is a leaky diaper. Fear no leaks with new and improved Pampers Swaddlers, now featuring a blowout barrier at the back waist that helps prevent up to 100% of leaks, even blowouts. We've always looked forward to getting the girls dressed up for Halloween when they were babies. And with Pampers, we knew that in addition to being absolutely adorable in their costumes, they would be dry, clean, and comfortable. With Swaddlers, you can rest assured that you have superior leak protection while keeping baby skin healthy. Pampers Breathe Free Liner wicks away wetness, allowing baby skin to breathe, while the lock-away channels help keep baby skin dry and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologists approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Pampers Swaddlers are available in sizes newborn to size 8 and now feature designs with the newest animal characters, Shiloh the Elephant and Freddy the Duck. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. A little update on our March 27th live recording of Latina to Latina. You did it. You sold out our early bird tickets. Thank you, thank you, thank you. There is still time to grab your regular tickets while they last. Again, the details. We are partnering with our friends at Poderistas to bring you a conversation with New York Times bestselling author Sochil Gonzalez. It is happening at the William Vale in Brooklyn on March 27th. You can find the link to purchase tickets on our Instagram page at Latina to Latina or online at Alicia Menendez XO. I cannot wait to see you. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Latina to Latina. On this podcast, I talk with Latinas about how they got to be so amazing. If you've watched Vida, or even if you've just heard the buzz about the new star series, you know that Melissa Berrera, one of the show's two leads, is a star on the rise. But Melissa's not new to show business. She had a career as a telenovela star in Mexico. Vida is her first break in the U.S. Today, I'm in her L.A. apartment, which she shares with a roommate. Melissa answers the door with wet hair and seems genuinely unfazed by her own stardom. Thanks for inviting us into your home. No, thank you for coming. I'm excited. What a cute little apartment. Does this feel like home? It it does. Yeah. Every time that I'm flying to Monterrey, I'm like, oh, I'm flying home. But then after a few days, I'm like, I need to go home. (laughs) (laughs) I need to go where I have my own space and where I'm working. I feel like wherever I'm working is where I feel the happiest. So it's LA right now. When you were at NYU, did New York feel like home? It did. And it felt like it was my favorite city in the world. And it was my dream to go to NYU to to go to musical theater school because, you know, that's like the epicenter of like Broadway and theater. And that's where I wanted. That's where I pictured myself. So it felt like I belonged. When I arrived to New York, I was like, this is where I was supposed to be all my (laughs) life. And this is where I'm going to be all my life. That's what I thought. And well, no, that didn't happen. What did you do to audition to get into NYU? I don't even know. I don't even remember. I think I sang On My Way from Violet, the musical, because I'm a huge fan of Sutton Foster. And so I saw her singing that song and I was like, I can sing that. I was very confident before. 
I was like, I can do anything. Confident before what? Well, I feel like as you grow older and as you get deeper into this industry, your confidence kind of like goes down for some reason. I went to NYU and I was like, oh, I'm like, I got into NYU. Like I got into musical theater school. I'm good. You know, like I can, I was like, yeah, like I can do it. I can do anything. And then I started training and I started obviously getting better. And I felt it. Like I felt like I was growing my craft and my art. And then when I actually like started in the industry, the first thing that I did was on TV. I mean, because I had done theater on TV. I did this reality show in Mexico. What's it called? La Academia. It's, it's a very popular reality show. And I was like, why not? Like, it's not my dream, but I had seen how hard it was as a Mexican, as someone that's not from the United States to get a job here mm-hmm. without papers. Like I was on a student visa. I had seen friends of mine graduate struggle to get a job and then have to either move back or have to like reapply to school. So I was like, I might as well just try like starting a career in Mexico and then making the move. So I got accepted into this reality show. It was a singing show, a singing competition. What's it like to be a star in Mexico versus a star in the U.S.? Well, I wouldn't consider myself a star in Mexico. I consider that I had a career. I had done some things and I knew that that meant absolutely nothing coming here because that is the reality. The things that I did in Mexico, no one saw and no one knew of here. That was why it took me so long to come here. I was, what, I was what, comfortable. What would you call so long? Well, I always knew that I wanted to come here to work. I knew it since I applied to NYU that this is where I saw my future. I saw it in New York on Broadway. I saw it in TV, but here because I grew up watching American television. How long were you in LA before you got to read for Vida? I think I'd been here for two or three weeks before. Girl, <laughs> that's like not most people's experience. I know, I know, I know. I consider myself very blessed and very lucky. I was actually staying with Lorena, my roommate, and it was her apartment at the time. I had just moved here, so we were still at her place and looking for a place to move in together. And she was the one that actually told me about the breakdown. She saw the show first, saw the character, the profile for Lynn, and she was like, you have to go in for this. So each lotion is named after an Aztec goddess. The whole line is named... Diosa. That sounds so... That, that sounds nice when you say that, Diosa. It means goddess. So I called my manager, and he was like, yeah, we're actually, like, booking you your appointment for that. So I went in. I did, I think it was two scenes. And I immediately, I obviously had looked up Tanya and was like, how can I make this woman remember me? Because the thing is that they have to remember you in the room. 
And I saw that she had grown up in McAllen, Texas, mm -hmm. which is two hours from my hometown in Mexico. And I shopped there my whole entire life. Like every long weekend I would spend in McAllen and go to South Padre Island. So I was like, and my other roommate from New York had been in her play. So I was like, two things that I can say to her so that she can be like, I remember this girl. And she was so nice. I felt like she was very welcoming and warm. And I did not have working papers yet. And I thought my team had let them know. I was in the process. I had been in the process of getting my no. file for months. Ugh, it's a nightmare. Because I was applying for an artist's visa. So an you were O1. here undocumented? No, I was here on a tourist visa. And I had only been here for two, three weeks. So I was good. You know, like vacation. Mm -hmm. And I was with my lawyer. It's so much that you have to do to get the file ready. Because it's an artist visa or alien of extraordinary ability. Oh, I like that title for you. I hate the word alien for humans, mm -hmm. but that's what they call. That's mm -hmm. what they call the visa. I aliens like of extraordinary the idea that you have extraordinary ability. Yeah. Well, I've known friends that have applied for this visa. And when they go to the consulate for the interview... The interviewer asks them, like, what extraordinary ability do you have? Like, you're not Madonna. That comparison. Like, you're not Madonna. You're not Justin Bieber. Like, <laughs> yeah. So that day of the chemistry read, after we had done the scenes and I could feel like they were happy, you know, I could feel like they had liked it. I was like so happy. And then Tanya's like, let's go to dinner tonight to talk about things. And I was like, yes. I was like so happy. And then Carmen turns to me and she's like, okay, what's your work status? And I like froze. And I was like, uh, I don't have a visa. I'm working on it. I've been working on it, but I don't have it yet. This was July 16th. And they were planning on shooting the pilot July 26th. Like the fastest that you can get a visa is two weeks. If you put the file in for expedited process, then it's two weeks. But I was like, there's no way that this can happen. So their faces dropped. Mm -hmm. My heart dropped to the floor. And then the energy changed and they were just like, okay, well, um, thank you for coming. And I left. So I immediately got on the phone with my lawyer and was like, you have to submit the file. However it is, if it's not, I don't care, submit it today. And my lawyer was like, no, but like, like did not understand the urgency at all. And then I got my manager involved and I was like, I need this. I cannot lose this job because I don't have working papers. And it was like the most anxiety-ridden few days after that because I heard from no one. And then finally, I think like five days afterwards, my manager calls me and my lawyer was on the phone too. And they're like, okay, you can relax. Like stars is going to take over and they're going to, they're going to file for your Ooh. visa. So just going through this, because you are a person of extraordinary ability and relative to other immigrants, a person of extraordinary means, how then do you process what's happening to Central American migrants who have traveled 30,000 miles to show up at the U.S.-Mexico border 
only to have their children taken away from them, to be told that the process for seeking asylum, that they, I mean, there are people who are so deeply vulnerable, Mm -hmm. who are encountering a version of the same system that you encountered. Yeah. Well, I can't compare myself with that. Like, I know that my struggle is one, one millionth of what these people are going through. And it's, it's really complicated for me because did you hear of the one Vida at a time um, challenge that was started by the Vida writers and the one day at a time writers with Gloria and Tanya to challenge other Hollywood writers rooms to donate money to Raices, which is one of the organizations, the non-for-profits that were helping the families separated at the border to get legal counsel and just to make sure that their rights were protected. And so up until now, I think 88 or 89 writers rooms have joined in the challenge. And it just like, like a domino. It it went from one to the other and it, and it became something really, really big. And that's just them. You know, that's who they are as people. They are like conscious and They're very woke, both of them, and they just want to help. And they use their power and their voices always to create positive change. When my babies were going through their exploration stage, I had so much to worry about. Falling over, bumping heads, what did she just put in her mouth? The list was endless. But when they were in pamper swaddlers, I knew I never had to worry about a leaky diaper. Swathers are great for both baby and mommy. They keep your baby's skin healthy and dry with Pampers Breathe-Free Liner, which wicks away wetness, allowing your baby's skin to breathe. Swathers have always given me peace of mind knowing that diaper rash and leaky diapers were not in our future. There's also the blow-up barrier at the back waist to help prevent up to 100% of leaks, even blow-ups. Pampers Swathers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic and free of parabens and latex. Your baby deserves that. And they're available in a wide range of sizes from newborn to size eight. And now feature designs with the newest animal characters, Shiloh the elephant and Freddy the duck. Having a diaper you can depend on is important. And it's why I have always loved Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today to start earning rewards with every diapers and wipes purchase. Not to mention, get great parenting content with Pampers Club. Hey, Red, what are you up to? Just making sure all the M&M's gifts are wrapped and the balls filled. Remember that one holiday party when we had no M&M's? Oh, boy, I still have nightmares. The cookies? Yeah, you used all the M&M's candies that were meant to decorate the party treats to decorate snowmen. You did it again, didn't you? (laughs) They do look cute, though. Bringing cheer. M&M's for all fun kind. Hi, Latina to Latina listeners. It's Brenda from Tamarindo Podcast. And if you love Latina to Latina, then we know that you're going to love Tamarindo Podcast. And if you're in the L.A. area and can't make it to the Latina to Latina live event, we'd like to invite you to our event on March 28th at 6.30 p.m. We're hosting Amigas Blossoming, a night of celebrating and cultivating blossoming friendships. This will be in Highland Park, and all the details to RSVP for free are at tamarindopodcast.com forward slash events. So in Vida, you play a Mexican-American. Yeah. How do you access that as a person who is by definition Mexican? Yeah. It's funny. It's funny that you ask that because... Like, do you even think of yourself as being Latina? 
I do. Of course. Yeah, of course I do. I think of myself as, as a Mexican, but I guess I always thought that we were so similar. Mexican-Americans and Mexicans, we share so much. Our history, our culture, our food, our traditions. There's so much that we have in common. And I grew up near the border. So I feel like even closer because I grew up speaking English in an American school in Mexico. I grew up crossing the border for all of my vacations and spending all my long weekends in the United States. I went to school in the United States for college. So I feel very much like in between being a Mexican-American and a Mexican. Mm -hmm. And I know that the experience being born in Mexico, being born in the United States is different. Mm -hmm. And I always wanted to be respectful about it. And I always wanted to do the character justice. I wanted Mexican-Americans to see Lynn and to connect. But I feel like all you have to do is be truthful. Wait, but you almost passed on the show because of nudity, but you ended up doing a lot of nudity. Mm-hmm. Oh, a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I'm very happy that I did it. I was very scared to do it. And I remember talking to Tanya and she reassuring me that it was going to be all be very tactful and that she was going to take care of me and we were going to talk through everything before so that I was comfortable. And we did. But still, when we get to the first day that I have to do a nude scene, it was like I wanted to cry all the time. Like I couldn't open my mouth. There's something about being... I don't know if it's a Latina thing. It's a shame thing that we've been taught that it is shameful to show your body, that if you cover up, you're more worthy. All sorts of things that that Latinas, and I'm sure non-Latinas have too, like anyone religious probably too, they are taught that they have to like be conservative and if they they have to be good and and that if they are too promiscuous or they dress too sexy or they sleep around that that makes them less worthy so have your parents watched the show um my mom has yeah she is very supportive she is very cool i obviously i was dreading telling her that i had to do nudity Because I think she like smelled it in the air when I was like getting, when I got cast. She's kind of a witch, my mom. So she would call me and be like, just remember, don't do anything that you're not comfortable with doing. Don't let anyone make you do anything. Like she would tell me things and I'd be like, do you know? Like, (laughs) how do you know? And I did not tell her. I told my fiance because I wanted to avoid a fight. Um, because I had in like in the past, I had like just not told him about like scenes, not nudity because I had never done nudity, but like sex scenes or stuff like that. I had like neglected to tell him. And then when it aired, he would be like, why don't you tell me? And it would be a huge fight. So now I wanted to avoid that. And this was like so much bigger. So I talked to him and he was like, I support you with his heart broken, obviously, but like support you because he's Mexican too. So he's like macho Mexicano, you know, like. How did he end up with an actress for a fiance? I don't know. What does thing. it say about me that I'm asking you about permission for a sex scene and it 
in my 35 year old mind, I'm like, well, what did you tell your mom? And meanwhile, I'm like, oh, right. Your fiance. Yeah. <laughs> well, and the thing is that my fiance knew and he was very supportive and it made me cry how supportive he was. And then I didn't tell my mom and she went to the premiere at South by Southwest. So I was sitting behind her at the premiere and in the first episode, there's a scene in the staircase and it's not even nude. It's just that, but it's still like kind of intense. And I was just like, I couldn't even, I hadn't never seen the show before and I couldn't watch it because I was watching her. I was like wanting to see her reaction. And then after the screening was over, everyone's happy, you know, clapping. We're all like hugging and she turns around and she hugs me and she's like, congratulations. I'm so proud of you. She said in English or in Spanish? Uh, she said it in Spanish. Okay, say it's me in she Spanish. She said, si está fuerte, which means, there's no literal translation, but it it means like it's very, it's very intense. It's very R-rated basically. And then she was like, I don't think your sisters can see this. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, they're going to, even if you tell them not to. Um but she is very supportive. And then that's it. We never, like good Mexicans, we never talked about it again. <laughs> like we just, you know, like go on living life. And she's a proud mom, but she'd rather not talk about it. You know, that's how, that's how we work. Well, if you came into the show with all that, then this show must have just rocked your world. Oh, yeah. I mean, are you a changed person for having done this show? Yeah, I think I am. Because the the topics that are dealt with, I mean, the queer identity pieces, even though Lynn isn't queer, yeah. other queer characters on the show, um, the sexual exploration on the show, the hentification, the white yeah. thing I mean, it's just like across the board, it is so woke as yeah. a show. Oh, yeah. It is very woke. Hey, shady lady. Where have you been? I knew it. Okay. I totally knew it. Then why didn't you say anything? Why didn't you say anything? When did we ever say anything? God, that's so true. That's sad. We should say stuff. It has like, I think it has valuable lessons. It was like a masterclass in life for me. And I think for all the actors involved, because we were all in the same boat. We were all terrified. Terrified of what? Terrified of going places that our characters go terrified of... So for you, where were you terrified of going? Well, I was goes? terrified of the nudity, mostly. I was terrified of how how sure of herself Lynn is when it comes to her body and her sexuality. How confident she is in that and how free. Like, she doesn't wear a bra. And when Tanya told me that she doesn't wear a bra, I was like, what do you mean? Like... <laughs> Like, never? She's like, no, never. I'm like, but but can you even tell? Like, can I please? She was like, no. And from that moment, I was like, oh, okay, this is going to be uncomfortable for me in a lot of ways. But I think that's why we become actors, because we want to go out of our comfort zone. And that is when it's the most fun. People see Hollywood and they think of the glam. Oh, yeah. People think that being an actor is so glamorous and that being an actor automatically means that you're rich and being an actor automatically means that you have all these luxuries and you have like a whole like team that's following you around and like waiting for you to like ask for something, but that's not how it is at all. 
It's like a very few percentage, if 1%, I think, of the actors have that life and the rest of us are just trying to survive and trying to work as much as we can. And as soon as we finish one job, it's like searching for the next one. And sometimes it can be months, years before you get another break. And sometimes it can be really quick and you're like, great. But when you're a workaholic like me, I get really, really anxious. What do you guys do on set when you're not like actually actively working? Um, we're usually eating because there's a lot of food, What's Mexican like? food. Oh, goodness. Yes. We have elote man come. We have taco trucks. We have churros. It, it gets That's very, it gets very, it gets very Mexican <laughs> on set. But we have fun. Like I started trying to learn from our DP, Carmen Cabana, who is a goddess and amazing because I'm interested in one day directing and I want to know about camera movements and I want to know about lighting. So she started teaching me in the last half of the shoot. And so I like to observe. I like observing director's work because each director is so different. And I like taking things that I like about each of them. And we can be hanging out at the trailer. Usually if I'm not in Michelle's trailer, she's in mine. And it's a fun set to be, to be on set, really. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy to watch Vida and One Day at a Time and to have Tanya and Gloria Calderon Calet take off in the same moment yeah. because it feels from afar like it sort of takes a little bit of the pressure off. And I know that you get to spend time with both of them. Can you tell me about the gathering you went to recently? Yeah. Gloria, who is another amazing human being, so generous, so talented. She organized this brunch for the Latinas in the industry. And she invited me, thankfully. Um, I think because she and Tanya have such a close friendship. And I know that Gloria is like Tanya's mentor and helped her out during season one that Tanya was feeling still like she needed to get in the game and, and see how things were run and do a good job show running a show. And Gloria was there for her. And now that they're both like each have their throne, you know, as the Latina showrunners in Hollywood, they have teamed up and they're doing amazing things like the one be at a time challenge that they organized. But they also have been very good about wanting us to stick together because that is something that's very important. Do you feel like that's not people's a, instinct in the industry? Um, not in the industry. I think for the Latinx community, we are not as supportive all the time. We can be very supportive of each other in times of need. You know, when the earthquake in Mexico City happened, everyone was out there helping each other. And it was just like the best moment in the history of Mexico and Mexicans all coming together as one and helping in times of disaster, everyone that needed it. So that's when you, when times of need, when people show up. But I also know that at least as a Mexican, I can speak for myself as a Mexican, but I, I've noticed that instead of like 
praising someone when they've accomplished something. We like to try to diminish their accomplishment by saying like, oh, they probably had contacts or, oh, they're not even that talented. Like they just got it because they're pretty or, you know, like something that can make us feel better about ourselves. Do you have a dream role? No, I don't actually. I don't like seeing myself in other people's roles. I more or less read a script and envision myself in a character that's like brand new. Musical wise, you mean? One of my dream roles is West Side Story, Maria. That's one of my dream roles. One of the best ways to support us, besides telling everyone about us, is by listening on the Radio Public app. When you listen there, we get paid. And the app's tip button lets you leave us a tip for any amount up to $100. Major shout out and thank you to the individuals who left us our first few tips. We promise to spend it wisely. Thanks for joining us today. Latina to Latina was originally co-created with Bustle. Now the podcast is executive produced by Juleka Lantigua-Williams and me. Amita Ganatra was the sound designer on this episode. Email us at hola at latinatolatina.com. Send us ideas for guests or talk to us about what's on your mind right now. Remember to subscribe or follow us on Radio Public, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you're listening. And please leave a review. We love hearing from you. A little update on our March 27th live recording of Latina to Latina. You did it. You sold out our early bird tickets. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There is still time to grab your regular tickets while they last. Again, the details. We are partnering with our friends at Poderistas to bring you a conversation with New York Times bestselling author, Sochil Gonzalez. It is happening at the William Vale in Brooklyn on March 27th. You can find the link to purchase tickets on our Instagram page at Latina to Latina or online at Alicia Menendez XO. I cannot wait to see you.